ahead and track down a Bible and get with me to Acts chapter 2. We've got Bibles that we put in little baskets and you should be able to find them on the floor somewhere nearby. Uh, if you can't, just you know, nudge some people by you, they can help you out. Um, we're doing a little mini-series in preparation for um, launching some groups. And so we're looking at this paragraph in Acts chapter 2 and we're looking at the description of the church right in the wake of the Holy Spirit of God descending on the people of God in a profound way at Pentecost. We're just looking at this prototype example of what the early church was doing there in Acts chapter 2. So in the Bibles that we have, it would be on page 884, and uh, we're going to look at that. So this little mini-series is really just setting the stage for the launch of new groups. Some of you are presently in groups. You, you meet with some people, uh, you discuss the Bible, you do some different things, and, um, and we celebrate that. And we're so excited that many of you, some of you came out of your Alpha experience, the Alpha group you were in. You said, let's just keep meeting, you kept that thing going. Some of you have been in a group for years. It's the same people that you've been doing life together with, and uh, we're, we're so excited about that. But we want to make sure that as a campus and as a church, we are creating lots of on-ramps for people to get plugged into community. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like and how you could be involved in it. Uh, but we're going to talk about the launch of some new groups. So we're looking at this paragraph to really set the agenda. We're looking at this paragraph going, okay, what did the early church do? What did they prioritize? What was their, what was their, their passion? And, and we're looking at that and helping to develop our game plan and our strategy out of that. And what we see here are actually three things. And when I, when I realized it this week, I was so encouraged. It felt like God was winking at me. Um, because we had devised a plan for groups um, several months ago and uh, actually even longer than that uh, ago, and, and part of it involved, in our groups, we want to make sure that three things are happening. We want to make sure that disciples are being made. We want to make sure that we're you know, discussing the Bible and people are being built up in their faith. We want to make sure that in the groups, people are experiencing care, that they are being known, that they're, they're being prayed for, that they're being well cared for, and we want to make sure that our groups are on mission, that we don't just gather to do our thing without regard to anybody else, but we want to gather and encourage each other to do life on mission. And so that, that's kind of been the, the, the three features of our group. And then I'm looking at the paragraph again this week, and here's what I see. The early church was a learning community making disciples. Uh, the early church was a church committed to caring for each other. And the early church was a church committed to witnessing, telling other people the news of of what Christ has come to do. So, so that's what we're doing. We're, we're doing three different messages looking at these features. That the, the early church is a learning community. We want to be a learning community. Disciples being made. Uh, the early church is a, it's a community of care. We want to care for each other. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And also we want to be a church that's on, that's on mission, that's witnessing to Jesus Christ. So uh, let, let's go ahead and read it. Then I'm going to pray and we'll get after it. All right, Acts chapter 2 starting in verse 42 says... They, the early church, uh, the, the followers of Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we ask, God, that you would speak to us through it, that your Holy Spirit would take this and, and help us to hear your voice. Lord, we want to be a community of faith that embraces your agenda. 
Um, we we want to lean into your plan for our congregation. We, we want to pursue your desire for us here. Um, so Lord, help us. We, we pray that our church would, would be moved along today um, a little bit more, a little bit more like what you want from us, Lord. So help us to do that. Uh, help each of us as we pray through this and think about how it personally affects our lives and our schedules and, and the things that we're doing, Lord. Would you help us to be um, willing to embrace the calling that you're giving us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the thing that I want to point out to you today. The early church did a great job of caring for its people. And you're going to see that come up throughout the text, but you can, you can just think about it as we read it a few minutes ago. They, they were meeting together, and they were getting to know one another, and it translated into their willingness to even share their possessions freely with, with each other. Um, and so the early church did a great job at this, and if you're aware of, of the, the early church history of this, this is just what they did, and it was an attractive feature that people would see. Look, if you're part of the people of God, they care for one another, and, and it's a very beautiful reality. So we want to embrace that, and we want to move toward that, and we want to be a place where you are experiencing care. Um, so you'll notice here in the text, and I'm going to point this out here, there were different environments where care was happening. There were different environments where people were able to experience the care and the love of God's people. So the, they were the large group setting and then the smaller venues. The large group setting, it was the time when they would come together and they would, they would devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and they would meet in the temple courts. But in that large group setting, there was a, there was a level of care that was happening. Look with me at verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And all of those different activities, can, we can describe them happening in that large group setting. Uh, the, the apostles' teaching, the equivalent for us would be the preaching of the word. The apostles taught the Bible in reference to Jesus Christ. And, and, um, and so when we gather together and we open up the word and we go, what does this have to do with our Lord and Savior and how we should then live by faith in him? Um, that's, that's a part of what we try to do here at the church. So we want to devote ourselves to that experiencing experience, recognizing that we could be cared for through that. And, and it is a way to care for people, to teach them and instruct them in the ways of God. And it can be very, very helpful for you. Um, they devoted themselves to fellowship, which is coming together and sharing time together, to gathering together. Um, Hebrews 10.25, it's one of my dad's favorite verses. He always reminds me of it. But it's saying, do not neglect gathering together, as some are in the habit of doing. But do, do so and encourage one another all the more as the day of the Lord approaches. And so we need to have this commitment to being together with the people of God. Because what happens here is no small thing. I know that sometimes it just feels like you attend church, but that's not really what's going on. When we come out on a Sunday morning and we spend time together, and we have these conversations... We are able to care for each other. This morning, I've already had conversations with, with a handful of you about very significant things. Personal struggles, marriage struggles, uh, things with relationships, with being adopted, and things like that. And, and I've had these little conversations, and that's just me. And then when we start to look around and go, what other conversations may have happened this morning? Those are a big deal. And this is an environment then where hopefully you can come in be devoted to gathering together and experience the care that God wants for you being administered through other people. And that's a big deal. I've been praying about this. When people show up here, in an environment like this, there can be a level of anonymity. 
and it, it could be okay, right? That somebody's new, they come in here, they feel a little iffy, they had to overcome lots of hurt hurdles to get here, they were making excuses, there were issues, and they go, you know what, I'm doing this thing. And they courageously walk through the threshold of Harlem High School, and they come in here, and they're kind of like, what are these guys like? They're wondering what's happening. And they, and they maybe sit on the edges, on the sides, and they, they, they might leave right after the service, and that's fine. But here's our prayer for you. Here's what I pray for people who are coming in for their first time. I love that you're here, and I hope you always feel comfortable. But I'm unashamedly saying my desire for you would be that you would get involved in significant relationships with other people, that your life would begin to open up to them, that there would be people that you're connecting with at the church, that you're having these conversations when you're here on Sunday mornings, and it's also translating into life outside of these walls, doing life together with other people. So the gathering together, they were committed to it. We need to be committed to it as well. They were committed to the breaking of bread. And the commentators talk about how that, that could be a reference to taking communion. That when we share that meal together of recognizing what Christ has done for, for us, his broken body, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, we share something when that happens. It's not just this one-off individual experience, but, but when we're doing that together, there's this reality that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And these are our people, and this is the group that we are bound together in Christ with. And so it's a beautiful reality, and we should devote ourselves to that experience. And, and they were devoted, too, to prayer. And not just individual prayer, but prayer that happens when the group gathers. And I'm always encouraged by that. When, when people, um, Jane Browning, one of our prayer team members, comes up and she starts praying for our church, what happens there is, is a beautiful reality. And I'm inspired by it. And I'm, I feel cared for as I hear her, the concerns of her heart and the passions that she has for this campus and this people. That's, a, that's an experience of care. And that encourages me and motivates me to live more faithfully. So I want to suggest that we make a habit of meeting together. In fact, they had, a, they had a rhythm. It's in verse 46. It says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Now they were meeting with that rhythm of a daily large group gathering, and they, I'm sure they were experiencing care in there, but they were making it a part of their schedule and their rhythm and their routine. Now, many of them had traveled there for the different holidays, so they were gathering together on this consistent daily basis. And, you know, we, we don't do that very often, maybe when we do a retreat or camp where we, you know, get everyone together on a daily basis. But every week, what do we do? We open up Harlem High School, we get everything all ready, we set the stage for the people of God to gather together and to experience the glory of God, and, and there's a rhythm to that. And so I want to suggest to you that you would make that rhythm a part of your routine. That you would say, I'm going to devote myself to these activities that happen in the large group. And, and um, I love how Tim Keller puts it. He says, look, the glory of God is available to you in the local church in a way that it's not available to you anywhere else. When we come together and we're doing this thing together on a Sunday morning, you're able to experience something of the glory of God in a profound way. This is no small thing that we do. And so I appreciate that you're here, but I want you to lean into it a little bit more and say, look, every time I come, I'm going to come ready to experience the glory of God. And I'm going to be a part of that. Because people are coming in here, and I get to experience their care. I can share what's going on in my life. This should be a safe place for me to say, look, this is hard right now. I'm at work and it's really, it's a challenge and somebody can pray for you. Um, it should also be a place where you come ready to minister. 
You come ready to, you look, I'm going to interact with people this morning who come in and they're broken and they're wounded and they're hurting. And, and you know, we don't want people to cruise through a church service and then leave and have nobody look them in the eye and go, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? So we should come to church ready to pray for other people, ready to minister, ready to encourage, ready to give a word of encouragement to other people. So I want to encourage you to devote yourself to church. Now, I know that sounds weird uh, and maybe self-serving, but I do think it's a good thing because you can be cared for and you could care for other people. Um, so devote yourself to church. And that means that, you know, literally we show up. That when, when we're having church services on a Sunday morning, I hope you're thinking, how can I get there? How can I be a part of that? I don't want to miss out on that because it's an opportunity to receive care and to offer care to other people. And so we should schedule our lives accordingly. I know we're busy. I know that we've got all kinds of different things going on. Sunday is a great day for yard projects and work that, that needs to be wrapped up. Um, we've got activities going on. But when we look at our calendars and we, we see that little thing on Sunday morning where it's like, the church is gathered. There should be this sense in you that, and I want to be there. I can't wait to be there with God's people, experiencing God's glory. I can't wait to be cared for and encouraged, and I can't wait to care and encourage other people as well. So make that a part of your schedule. And, and I was doing the math. Look, there's 168 hours in a week. So when we talk about a normal hour and a half designated to gathering with God's people, that should, in my mind, it shouldn't feel like this huge burden. Now, I know some of you guys, your uh, setup and teardown team, you might be here for six hours. So you're the abnormal people who are, you know, all Sunday morning through the afternoon. You're here, but most people, it's an hour and a half. And when we look at our calendars and we go, out of the 168 that I have available, could I do an hour and a half devoted to meeting together with God's people so that other people might receive care and, and I might receive care? I think it's doable. We need to take personal ownership. We're going to devote ourselves to this large venue where, where we can care for each other. We need to take personal ownership. I had a meeting, um, I guess maybe it's two weeks ago now, where I was meeting with somebody from our campus, and they were talking about our church, and they kept saying, your church. And I wanted to be like, this isn't my thing. I mean, yes, I'm very excited about it. I love being involved in it, but it's our thing. This is our thing. We need this shared ownership of what is happening here. This is our church. This is the, our place. This is our community. These are our people. One of the things that I think we can do uh, to help us embrace that responsibility and that commitment to the local church is membership. Membership is a way that, that people are able to voluntarily say, I am committed to this thing. These are my people. This is what I'm you know, agreeing to do. I'm voluntarily saying, I'm going to do these different things. I'm going to protect the unity of the church. I'm going to share the responsibility of the church. It's my church, and I'm going to look for opportunities to be a blessing. I'm going to serve the ministry of the church. I'm going to figure out my spiritual gifts and put them to work. And I'm going to support the testimony of the church. I'm going to tell other people about it, and I'm going to live in a way that commends it. I'm going to, I'm going to be a member. Membership is a beautiful way to embrace this um, willingness to devote yourself to the, to the large group gathering of the people of God. Now, C.S. Lewis, I don't know if you're aware of him, um, he wrote Chronicles of Narnia and a bunch of other stuff. One of the books that he wrote was a book um, talking about a senior demon mentoring a younger demon. So they're corresponding, they're writing letters back and forth. And the, the, so the older demon is telling the younger demon how to kind of handle his, his person that he's um, supposed to be messing with. And the guy 
that the younger demon is overseeing starts attending church. So the older demon writes to the younger one, and this is what he says. Surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. The demon recognizes, look, they start going to church, here's what you need to do. Make it so that they're not satisfied in it and that they just bounce around church to church until they find the perfect church that doesn't exist. Um, friends, that, that's a posture that a lot of American Christians have. We will go to church as long as it's convenient and as long as it's fun and as long as we really enjoy it. Membership is where we say, look, I know Corey's going to, there's going to be boring sermons and there's going to be stuff that happens. I'm going to get crossed with somebody in the church. But when we commit to one another and we voluntarily say, this, this is my people, all of a sudden we have this agreement that we're going to work through this stuff together. We're going to become more Christ-like for having gone through it. And we are going to devote ourselves to being together and encouraging and caring for one another. So the large group thing is a big deal. Coming here, I do think you can experience care in this, in this setting. And, um, you know, that means showing up early for church. Uh, we, we used to do this in the past. We're going to keep doing it. But after church, when we dismiss you, I'm going to start reminding you, please don't leave. Like when church is over, it's not a time to bolt for the door and get to the football game. I hope that you'll just spend time mingling and talking and, and just getting to know other people who are here. Now here's the other venue, the other environment, and it's the smaller group setting. Look at verse um, 46. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So not only did they gather in the temple, they also took the conversation into their homes. They opened their doors, they opened their tables, they, they shared with each other, they ate with glad and sincere hearts. So one of the things that we want to do is encourage you to not only be here, but to also open your life to other members of this campus. We want you to be willing to embrace community that happens outside of the Sunday rhythm. And, and um, for some of us, it's going to be creative. Um, our graphic designer, hopefully, is going to create a map, and it'll be on one of the signs that we have, the vinyl signs, it'll be kind of the um, Janesville area, all the way down McChesney Park, you know, Rockton Roscoe, McChesney Park, and then Loves Park, Rockford, and hopefully we'll have the map on a sign, and then we have these little stickers. We did it on Wednesday night on smaller things, and we couldn't see where everyone was at, but we were gonna get a big one and put our little tags on there and go, here's where I live, um, not my specific address, I don't want any weirdos showing up, but here's kind of the neighborhood I'm in, and then here's the place I work at, and here's where I spend my time, this is where I do my hobbies, I fre frequent this place, this restaurant, this grocery store. Um, we're gonna put all of that together, and here's why. I want you to be able to, as you're thinking about how to connect with other people in our community of faith, I want you to be able to see, oh, I'm right down the road from so-and-so. Uh, I spend a big chunk of my week not very far away from these other members of our campus, so I want to be aware of that, so I might reach out to them and look for opportunities in the rhythms of our lives to get together. So here's an example. A couple guys from our campus um, work less than... Uh, less than a mile apart from each other. Um, one works in Rockton, the other one in South Beloit, and I didn't realize it until this week, but I was having lunch with one of them, and I was like, man, you're not very far apart from each other, and you both work eight to five, and you both have an hour lunch break, and 
And you guys could, if you wanted to, get together and encourage each other and open up the Bible together and pray for each other. And you could even begin to pray for your places of work. They're two different places, but you could pray for these different organizations. And because you're doing that very purposefully, and it's no different than what you normally do, right? Everyone works and they have a meal. Usually we're either doing that with our coworkers or we're doing that by ourselves. But what if we did that strategically? What if we said, I'm having lunch a half a mile away from another member of the campus. I'm going to coordinate so we can be together praying for each other. And what if coworkers start asking, hey, what are you doing for lunch today? You go, well, I'm meeting with somebody from my church. You're more than welcome to join. We talk about spiritual things. There's nothing that's off, off limits. You can ask any question. Yeah, you should come. You should hang out. What if we started doing groups like that? It's unusual. It doesn't sound like the normal small group that you talk about in a church, but it is community. It is a chance for members of our campus to be together, opening up the word, making sure that disciple making is happening, caring for each other, sharing prayer concerns, and being on mission. And I want to encourage you to start praying about how you could be involved in that sort of community. Now, some of you, you're going to fall more into a traditional small group kind of thing. Like Ash and I, we're going to start doing um, uh, dinners maybe every other week with people who are in our alpha group. And just opening up our home, doing our thing, having a group experience. Some of you are going to do your lunch hour. Some of you are going to meet with you know, coworkers. You're going to do some different things. It's going to be creative. But we want to encourage you, and we're going to equip you to be able to launch your own groups. And we're going to do everything we can to help you. I'll, I'll explain that more in a few minutes. But, but we hope that you would embrace this calling to do life together with other people. When they were doing it here in Acts chapter 2, they were caring for one another. Groups is so important that we have them. There is no way that I can know and care for every member of this campus. It's just impossible at this point. Um, I mentioned to some couples recently, let's do dinner. And then I was like panicking about that. Like, what, if I, what if Ash and I tried to do dinner with everybody from our campus? That would be chaotic. That would be so hard to get through a, a chance with every single person from our campus. But what if I knew every member of our campus who wants it is able to receive significant care and community from other members in the McChesney Park campus? What if I knew that was happening? Because we're embracing this group strategy. So in the groups, they're caring for each other. They're, they're actually sharing their stuff. Look at verse 44. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. So they were spending time together, which is unusual, right? We come to church, and then we leave, and I, we don't see each other. We don't see each other until next week. But what if we said, look, we're going to do life together, and we're going to be sharing that time together, having things in common, and doing that. Look at verse 45. They were, they were sharing their possessions. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Within these little pockets of community, within the church, they're able to say, oh, you've got a need? Well, we're going to come alongside you and help you in that. There's going to be real expressions of love and care and concern, and that's going to translate even into us being willing to share with one another. Now, we're very private people, and we think as individuals, but what if we begin to say, look, the church is a place where I'm going to look for opportunities to help other people, and I'll use my stuff. I'll use my resources, I'll do what I can to be a blessing. People in my small group ought to know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there with you, and I will help you out. If there's a need, I'll show up, okay? But that's what we're talking about here. The groups became an opportunity for the early church to share with each other. 
Um, so in the groups, there's a few things that we measure. We measure the discipleship. We hope that as you gather together, that disciples are being made. We measure and pay attention to the care that people are receiving. We hope that people from our campus are getting plugged in at a high level and that they're being cared for. And we measure that the groups are on mission, that they're trying to do things to reach out into the community and to reach out to the people who don't know Christ yet. So as we think about this and as I share with you how you might launch a group, here, here are some um, just very specific applications when we think about care in our groups. When you get into a group, get to know people's names. Start asking names. Wear name tags if you have to. Because it's not okay if, if I have a leader and I go, hey, how's your group this week? And they talk about all the things that they discussed. And I go, who showed up? And they go, uh, I, don't, I don't really know. Well, there's that one dude. I can't think of his name. You go, that's not caring. That's covering material. When we care for each other, we, we're able to say, that's Caleb. And he was in my group. And we talked this week. And you know, we, we connected. And I prayed for him. And I know what's going on in his life. We need to know each other's names. So when you get into a group, we want to experience care. That means knowing who's in the group and what's going on with them. Uh, we should be looking for opportunities to do good, that we could you know, partner with them. Oh, you got a project that's going on? Is there anything I can do to help you? Uh, can I show up and do this little thing alongside of you to be a blessing to you? So look for opportunities to, to do good. And here's the other thing. We do, I think, need to open up our homes and our schedules for this to happen. Uh, we need to start looking at the calendar and looking at, can I invite somebody into the rhythm of my life? Um, I'm going to eat a meal. That's something I do a couple times a day at least. Can I do that strategically with somebody else? Bring them into that experience so that we could have some community time together. Um, and if we do this, I do think it can have a tremendous influence on our church. If we embrace this thing, it could be very, very beautiful. Because here's the deal. Both the large and the small group experiences of the church, it's the gospel on display. When we come together, large group setting like this, we are the gospel people. And we get to rehearse and talk about how our God loves us and made us and we've rebelled against him. But he made a way for us to be right with him for forever by placing our faith in Christ. And then our relationships begin to embody that reality as forgiven people. And we can love and care for each other. The small group setting, it's the same deal. People can come in and they can see how we care for each other and how we look after one another. And they can experience something of the gospel. And we can tell them the good news of what God has done in the sending of his son. So this is no small thing. And my prayer is that we would have over 100 people involved in groups. We're going to launch groups. We had, a, we had 100 with our kids go through Alpha. And I, want to, I just want to say, let's do better than that on this round. Let's get a bunch of people connected to one another, meeting on their lunch hours, having groups in their homes, doing their thing, but let's get this thing rolling. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you some very specific instructions as you think about how this might apply to your own life. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have adopted us into your family. And we are a community. We're not outsiders anymore. If we're believers in Christ, we're in. And, and we are fully accepted. And you look on us and you love us with all of our imperfections and all of the shortcomings that we have. God, we are so grateful that you brought us in and called us family. But Lord, we want the experience of family to go beyond a mere meeting a week. Lord, we want the relationships that are being built here to be sincere and deep, and we want people to be cared for, God. We don't want people to come to our church 
and get overlooked. We don't want them to be neglected. We want to have a good system where, where members are caring for each other. So help us, God, to embrace that. There are people in here this morning, Lord, that I think you are calling to this thing. Help us to embrace this high calling, to come to church with, with a purpose, to, to look for opportunities to minister to other people, to host a group, to open our homes, and to do that with the, with the intent of reaching other people who don't know you yet and caring for them. Lord, would you please help us to embrace this agenda as your church? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.